today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. There's a lot going on in Hamilton, none the least of which is coming into the fiscal, potholes, a host of other issues. You're welcome to call with your questions and issues of concern at 905-645-3221. And now joining us with his monthly town hall is the Mayor of Hamilton, Fred Eisenberger. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Shona. I didn't uh, didn't realize that uh, Bill was awake. Happy to talk to you this morning. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Your office put out a news release yesterday afternoon prompted by some calls about the city's bylaws on masking and distancing because the provincial masking mandate is about to change on Monday. Halton is holding a special meeting on Sunday. I'm wondering what Hamilton is doing. Uh, we'll be uh, meeting at the Board of Health on Monday uh, to look at the masking bylaw and the physical distancing bylaw. The, the recommendation is that we, uh, uh, for the broader community, we mirror what the province uh, has set out in terms of the masking, masking and physical distancing. So we'll we'll be in the same space. Uh, you know, we certainly also want to avoid uh, the conflict that uh, might accrue if uh, if it was different between the city and the province. Having said that, uh, there is still an outstanding concern for Omicron and the, uh, the spike in cases that's anticipated and, you know, the, uh, the other variant that uh, is now starting to take hold in, in other places. So there, there remain concerns, but uh, I think for the time being, we're going we're gonna to follow along with the province's direction uh, for the broader community. And our, our city staff will continue to require to be masked until the end of April is going to be the recommendation that we're going to be dealing with on Monday. So we'll have a, uh, we'll have a board of health meeting, hopefully, uh, confirm those uh, recommendations and then ratify that at council so that, uh, you know, we're, we're in the same space as the province of Ontario on the same day. And if I read the news release correctly, there is a special council meeting that will be following the board of health meeting. So that can be done in an expeditious way. Right, exactly. That's uh, that's that's the plan. Is uh, to, if if we were to do it otherwise, it would be a, a week and a half lag, and uh, that would be very awkward for all the you know businesses and institutions out there that they would have a city masking bylaw requirement, but not a provincial one, and you know that that makes for a lot of confusion, and certainly a lot of anxiety, and uh, puts a lot of pressure on those that are operating those facilities. So we want to we want to want it to happen on the same day. So we'll ratify whatever decision council makes on Monday, short, right after the Board of Health meeting. Okay, so that's masking and distancing. Will there be any discussion about the end of the state of emergency because Oakville has already ended theirs? Yeah, we have had a discussion internally, and uh, I think the belief is that we uh, hang on to it for the time being, uh, given given the kind of the state of flux that uh, that the Omicron variant is in, as well as the other variants that are out there. You know, it's all really about being able to redeploy staff. Uh, and uh, if we need to move in a hurry, then, it, you know, it's it's something that's it's good to have in place. So the recommendation is to keep it in place for the time being uh, until such time as we get a better sense of all clear uh, going forward. Just a reminder, if you have any questions for Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, this is your chance to speak directly to him just by calling 905-645-3221. One of the things I I really wanted to be able to talk to you about, Mayor Fred, is uh, a plan for a redevelopment of Eastgate Square. I -hmm. saw uh, some coverage about it uh, earlier this week. Uh, Times have been very difficult for shopping centers, as we know, for actually for many years, but certainly COVID didn't help with that. And this looks like a really interesting idea of what could be the next phase for Eastgate. Yeah, it, sure, it certainly is. So so new owners took uh, took ownership, uh, you know, a short while ago, and they came forward with uh, 
a plan to put uh, additional residential on that site. So just prior prior to the pandemic, we actually approved allowing for commercial uh, commercial plazas to have residential components on their locations. You know, the zoning issues have to be sorted out. So we, we anticipated the shrinkage in retail that was already happening. It's certainly been amplified through the pandemic. And uh, this new owner has decided uh, right at the end of, or the beginning, depending on which way you perceive it, the LRT line, sees this as a great opportunity to, uh, to repurpose the mall. Uh, probably most of, most of what uh, is already inherently in the mall will likely stay and uh, add to uh, the, the area where the Sears is, if you're familiar with Eastgate, and that parking lot in and around Sears is a huge, huge empty space, not no longer occupied. And they're seeing that as an opportunity to add higher density to mixed use residential in context of the mall. Uh, they're the first to actually take, uh, take hold of this opportunity. Uh, I expect that more uh, large mall locations will do the same. I know Cadillac Fairview up in the mountain has, uh, has discussed this with us as well. And they have a right to put residential in as, as well in their location. And, and some of the other big plaza locations are looking at the very same things too, for, for a couple of good reasons. One of them is to, to remain viable and sustainable. They need another source of revenue. But it's also good for the city in terms of the higher density that we're looking for and more housing, which is uh, cr critically needed going forward, both on the affordable side as well as on the market side. So very, very exciting uh, opportunity that I, I think is going to be terrific for our city. Uh, Mr. Mayor, we have one of your constituents on the phone right now. Uh, Mike is joining us, and Mike has a question about the state of emergency. Mike? Hi, yeah, I was just wondering if the province, I had two questions, actually. You know, if the province is dropping the state of emergency, uh, why would we be keeping it for the city? Well, again, uh, Mike, it's uh, it's really all about being able to redeploy staff. Uh, the state of emergency allows us to do that through provincial regulation. And so if we need to shift people, as we have done in the past, from public works to vaccination clinics, uh, and we need to do that in a hurry, then, uh, you know, you don't want to go through a long protracted process to be able to do that. So we're, 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 we're recommending that we preserve this state of emergency until such time as we don't we believe that we no longer need to redeploy staff for what for any reason through this pandemic period. Okay, and then also, uh, I know, like, from the get-go from this, uh, we've all said how we're all in this together. Um, I'm just curious, as to, I know, I know uh, the federal MPs have had, um, uh, as of April, I think they're going to have three pay raises. Um, how many pay raises has the municipal uh, employees had during this? And don't you think it would be wise to have a pay freeze for a little while until we kind of get everyone back on their feet with all the loss of small business and stuff? Well, Mike, you know, the, uh, the federal government has put an awful lot of resources into uh, keeping everyone whole uh, throughout, throughout this entire pandemic. They've delivered money to uh, people that are unemployed. They've de delivered money to businesses. They've delivered money to cities and municipalities, all in an effort to, uh, to keep the economy going and to keep people whole. So, uh, I think we need to kind of follow through on that and uh, you know, continue to honor our labor and wage agreements that uh, have been put in place. And so I'm not, I'm not a great fan of, uh, of kind of changing our process when we know that things are being covered and people need resources to be able to participate actively in the economy. So I, I, all the effort that uh, both the federal, provincial and municipal governments have done try and keep people uh, whole and in place and, and uh, with, with enough resources to continue to participate in our economy 
has been for that very reason, to have an economy to go back to and to continue on with uh, the prosperity that we all want to continue to pursue. So I'm, uh, I, I don't agree that that's uh, necessarily something that has to happen now. We're, we don't have a deficit. We don't have a significant uh, uh, revenue problem given the pandemic coverage of our federal government has offset a lot of those costs. And so I think it's a, a continuation of our agreements, I think, is important. Uh, uh, Mayor, uh, I know that that is uh, kind of the general consensus, but like for a restaurant that missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars and they only get $10,000, that's really almost a drop in the bucket. So don't you think it'd be a little more sustainable to have, uh, you know, most government employees kind of have a, a wage freeze and help out the people that are really struggling? Because most government employees already make a, a pretty good salary. They have great benefits. And they have an index pension, which, you know, if people know what an index pension is, if they don't, they should look it up because it's almost unsustainable. So I, I, I just don't get how you, you keep on rambling around the, the federal and, and the provincial government paying people out when really they're not. Well, if I could just interject for a second here, Mike, you're asking a municipal official about issues that are really provincial and federal. No, no, he, he brought up the provincial and the federal stuff. I'm saying... That, uh, so regardless of the, uh, the wage freeze for the federal MPs or provincial, I'm talking about municipal. Uh, how many raises have they had in the course of the last two years where people have been struggling to survive? That's a simple question. Just uh, how many raises have you guys had? I don't, I don't know the number. Uh, there's, an annual, uh, there's an annual negotiated contract with so all of our least, QP. At least two then, right? Mike, Mike, you're, are you listening? Uh, yeah. yeah, at least two. Uh, I would say uh, that that that's part of the continuation of keeping people whole, so they can p- participate actively in the economy. So no, the very people that you're talking about, the very people that you're talking about, need to go to restaurants, order in, uh, you know, do the online shopping to keep our economy going, and that that that's centrally like part of the philosophy for all governments saying, to though, continue on with that process. Question. You know what, I'm going to jump in here now because if you're, Mike, if you're talking over what the mayor is saying, we're not getting anywhere. So I wanted to thank you for your call and I okay. appreciate your position. Thanks for not answering the question, Mayor. I'm going to go now with uh, Anne Marie who has uh, a question about zoning. Anne Marie? Hi, um, I have a question. Uh, my aunt and mother own a nine acre piece of property at the northeast corner of Highway 6 and Airport Road. The land's been in the family for over 100 years. It was expropriated, sliced in half, and Highway 6 ran down the middle. For the last 40 or 50 years, it sat empty, too small to farm. We're seeing housing and commercial development springing up all around us, but the city still refuses to budge on the zoning. The land is connected to services and on a transit route, shovel-ready for housing development. But right now, we're having a housing shortage, and for whatever reason, this land can't be rezoned. Uh, why won't the city allow it to be developed till 2051? Why let it sit empty for another 30 years? Doesn't the city want the tax dollars of the developmental fees? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's almost like the city's purposely devaluing our land, and it seems dishonest to do this to my family. I'd like the mayor to answer this question and give me some information about why this keeps happening. Thank you. So thank you, uh, Anne-Marie, and I, you know, clearly you're talking about lands that are outside the urban boundary uh, that uh, are not yet uh, ready to develop. So that's a, that's a line that uh, impacts many people uh, throughout that have uh, land ownership beyond the urban boundary. Uh, the council of the day, uh, you know, decided, uh, you know, some time ago, uh, a, few, a few months ago, and that, that is yet to be ratified uh, come, I think, in May or, May or June of this year. 
to maintain the existing urban boundary. So any of the lands that are outside the urban boundary, that potentially are farmland or whatever whatever they are right now, uh, will be uh, frozen from development uh, for a period of time, as they have been for you know up until now. The question so, I have at sir, some point we have to have a line. I have sir, uh, if I could just answer for a second, is the fact that the urban boundary is at Highway Six, and we're just at the northeast corner. Now, the fact that our property yeah. is too small to farm, it's just sitting there completely empty, and it's on a transit route. It has all of these like amenities. It's connected. I don't understand why they would actually freeze that particular parcel of land but have houses all around it. Why that piece of land? Why is it being penalized while all these other places are allowed to be developed? I just don't understand why it's our land that's being penalized. It doesn't make any sense to that we have to keep sitting on this property for 50 to 100 years. Like, from an urban development or a planning standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. I know that because of the election that's upcoming, nobody wants to revisit this particular issue about uh, land zoning because, you know, it's a hot election issue. But this is affecting a real family, and I think it needs to be addressed before that. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Anne-Marie. I think I, I tried to answer the question. Uh, I, you know, it's, if it's beyond the urban boundary, then uh, you're really... Uh, uh, have limited opportunity to develop those lands going forward. Uh, you can appeal to the city. Uh, you can appeal to committee. You can counsel. You can come and make presentations at the planning committee. Ask for uh, forgiveness, uh, and uh, and and decision could be made. But I can tell you that uh, to date, the council and the staff have recommended uh, a firm urban boundary, and uh, and they're going to be maintaining that for the foreseeable future. So. Uh, it's not personal. It's not directed at any one individual. It, it is a zoning matter, and it's a, it's a, an urban design matter and a urban sprawl matter that uh, yes, that we, but when you've made that we, all that of we're really talking about. So made a real continues on with continues on with lots of other properties that are on the fringes of the urban boundary that are uh, at some point going to be developed, but uh, but not right now. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. But thanks for trying. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay, let's. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left uh, before we have to wrap up this segment. The mayor will be back in the next half hour, and we'll be continuing on with this. Uh, I wanted to get to another Mike who's been waiting patiently online. And Mike, you have a, a question about speeding drivers. Yes. Uh, good morning, Mayor. Um, good morning. I just want to talk about with the warmer weather approaching us very fast um, about the issues with uh, like I live just off of Upper Gauge and. It's constantly people speeding up and down upper gauge. And I, I know they put these signs up that flash saying you're going too fast. And then they talk about putting certain cameras in certain areas. But, you know, over the last couple of summers, I really haven't seen any changes. And I'm just wondering if the city is looking into improving that type of, you know, uh, policing so that these drivers learn the lesson not to drive like that anymore. And I'm sure yeah. if you talk to any any person along my area where I live, they'll all say, "Yeah, it's it's a constant racetrack." Yeah, thanks, Mike. You know, it's a problem in um, many of our arterial roads, and uh, you know, there's there's constant rotating, uh, you know, policing presence. Uh, you're right. We have uh, we have red light cameras. We have flashing lights to indicate speeds that uh, that people are you know going over and above. Uh, all of those things uh, continue, and, and and really is the only way that we're going to get people to uh, to uh, to reduce their speeds is to continue to ticket or to uh, to have policing presence there. So, 
Unfortunately, we can't have policing presence everywhere. We have limited amount of police officers. It's in the number of 800. These, these demands are happening throughout the city, especially during the spring when everyone uh, gets their, uh, their noisy vehicles out or their motorcycles out or they're, uh, they're all you know, anxious and eager to enjoy uh, milder weather. And uh, you know, we uh, have a blitz every year uh, of uh, either noisy vehicles and or speeding. And that's an ongoing challenge and that's ongoing part of the, the policing work that uh, most members of council are encouraging police officers to, uh, to participate on an active basis. So one of, the, one of the major issues that policing deals with each and every day and councillors and, and myself is all about speeding and traffic issues. And so uh, we put a lot of time and effort into that. There's a specific policing unit identified for traffic control. And uh, they're active, uh, you know, each and every day out there in the in the broader community. So we'll, uh, I can take uh, take the upper gauge location. Uh, certainly uh, include your counselor, which I think is Councillor Jackson, and I'll make sure that uh, that he's made aware of this as well. And I'll, uh, I'll send a note over to police and let them know that this is an area of particular concern. Well. I, I, Thank you for your call, Mike. I did want to ask the mayor about one of the other big local stories that happened this week. I remember when I first came to Hamilton as a reporter, we were talking a lot about Randall Reef, and there has been uh, an, an interesting milestone uh, with that project uh, that happened this week. Mayor Fred? Yeah, very exciting, uh, you know, ongoing uh, challenge, the, uh, the Randall Reef remediation, as, as has been the, the, the whole harbor remediation process. Uh, you know, you're well aware, uh, Shona, of the re- remedial action plan that was put in place some 30 plus years ago. And it's been a continuous improvement process. And uh, the Randall Reef was considered to be one of the last locales that we can actually actively deal with to uh, to improve harbor harbor quality water quality uh, going forward so there's been vast and significant improvements this one is the containment cell of the coal tar deposit that's uh, located in that uh, particular location as well as a lot of other contaminants in the general area as a result of uh, historical industry uh, dumping in that site uh, the good news is we the containment site has been built they're now uh, going to be putting in some of the contaminants from around the area to uh, encase that and encapsulate that. So the, the last phase is then to, uh, to put a clay cap on the top of that and, uh, and then look to, you know, if down the road, um, and when, uh, when the port is actually utilizing this as a, as a, a pier, that there is a new technology that allows us to get at the, uh, the contaminants that are underground that we find a process to do that, then we can certainly do, do more remediation. But I think it's a good news story for the city. It's been a, a long time in coming. It's been multiple partnerships between the federal, provincial, municipal, both Hamilton and Burlington, as well as uh, Stelco making a significant contribution in terms of steel to uh, to make all of this happen. So I'm looking forward to the end of this process, but it, uh, it has been a long journey for this particular development, about 12 years now. And, um, and uh, Randall Reef has been in the news even longer than that. And uh, we're slowly but surely getting to the end of this process. Um, we want to get back to the phone callers, 905-645-3221. And uh, there are a lot of calls uh, standing in line on deck to speak with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. So we've got to limit you to one question to try to get as many people in as possible. And so we're going to go to Frank, who is on line two. And uh, you have a question with regards to council, Frank. Yes, top of the morning to you, uh, you Shauna, and to Mayor Fred. Um, my question is actually kind of twofold. I, I'll, uh, I'll be brief. Uh, uh, with the new faces around the council table this uh, upcoming uh, municipal election, 
Uh, council has been described, or the future council has been described as being lame duck. Your thoughts, Fred, on, on that? And also, are you interested in, are you going to be throwing your chapeau in, into the next municipal election? <laughs> Two good questions. Uh, lame duck doesn't really start until, uh, you know, the actual campaign period, which, you know, predominantly is September, October. Uh, but, you know, you can sign up, uh, you know, at the beginning of May uh, for the new council term. So anyone out there that's considering a run can uh, certainly put their name forward. And we encourage, uh, you know, those that are thinking about it to do so. And, uh, you know, we may or may not have a, uh, you know, a bunch of new faces on council. We'll see. Uh, you know, there'll definitely be some new faces. So the, with the retirement of Councillor Marula and the departure of Councillor Collins, there's two open seats, wards uh, four and five. So that'll certainly attract uh, some significant attention. As to myself, uh, I have, uh, I'll, I'm going to stick to, uh, you know, haven't confirmed as yet, and uh, I wouldn't bet against it, but I, uh, you know, I'm very committed to our city. Uh, there are many, many great things happening in our city that I want to see through, LRT being one of them, waterfront development, uh, the housing shortage, and we're, you know, doing a lot of work in that space. Uh, the technology advances that we're, uh, we're making, the film studio at, uh, at the waterfront, I mean, all of those are projects that I, I, I dearly have passion for and is going to be brilliant for the city of Hamilton, in fact, for future employment. So. It's no lack of commitment on my part, but I need to uh, to uh, kind of finally decide, and I'll do that sometime between May and, and July. I'll see you Frank. on the stairs, Fred. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Frank. Thank you for your call, Frank. Uh, Mayor Fred, is that the new salutation for you this year? Mayor Fred, are you running? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty common theme. Um, <laughs> um, you, know, and I, you know, fair enough, people are... Are asking and they're uh, they're interested and concerned. Obviously, uh, you know others are assessing whether they're going to run, and that's uh, you know that's fair ball. That's the kind of the nature of the process. And uh, you know I think it's uh, it's a positive thing for people to uh, step up and uh, participate in the process. That's uh, that's important. And but there's much going on, much good going on in our city, yeah, even even post pandemic and the, the challenges we've had for the last couple of years, the development and the growth in uh, in downtowns and all the areas that we're, we've had concern about is now accelerating very, very positively. And so uh, there's every reason to uh, to continue on. But uh, again, I have to uh, I have to make a decision and I, I have not yet made it. For it. Uh, fair enough. Uh, let's go to line three. And Patrick, he has a question about Gore Park building rejuvenation. Patrick. Oh, good morning, Mayor Fred. Uh, good to hear you on the radio. I'm just wondering, I often walk through Gore Park, and I do see developments to the buildings closer to John Street. However, the ones closer to James seem to be dormant. Uh, they've been dormant for quite a while. I'm just concerned. I hope they're not being uh, left to ruin. No. No, it's been an ongoing challenge. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we there is a developer that's made uh, promises and assurances that they're going to... Uh, repurpose and rebuild those uh, those buildings a few of them are now in the process of being uh, being revamped and that's a good thing uh we we clearly we want them all to be uh, at least heritage preserved to the best degree possible and of course renewed uh you know in in, in internally and be in in behind it as well so there's much happening on the street actually i mean they're uh Houston street uh and Houston and king uh, some towers going up. That's a Leuna project that uh, is going to be spectacular. I know Effort Trust is uh, rebuilding a location right downtown and on the Gore. So there's a number of projects ongoing and a number of projects still in the queue. And I think that's uh, certainly a positive sign. And, you know, every indication is that uh, all of those that have lands in these areas are, are primed to, uh, to start building. And many of them have already. 
That's great. That's great news. And I hope the Google buildings are still happening behind uh, City Hall. Uh, you know, that's a, that's an open question. I mean, I, that, um, you know, council has kind of decided, I think, that uh, they're not particularly keen on that kind of a development. I am. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a, a good opportunity to have a look at uh, the parking garage and the parking lot back there as an opportunity for a new tech tech uh, location. But, you know, I think, um, you know, council as a whole has, uh, has a different idea about that and, and believes that the City Hall Plaza ought to be maintained uh, for city purposes not necessarily private sector so we've had that debate um, you know i think uh, that that kind of horse has left the barn but i'm um, you know i'm still very keen on developing a tech center in the city and uh, i want to work with a developer to uh, to see what we can do to help uh, you know inspire that so it's not out of my mind at all uh, i think it's unfortunate that we didn't open up the city hall plaza for that but uh, that's council's decision at the end of the day Patrick, That's you great. slid a second Thank one in there much. on me. We're going to have to go to our next caller. Uh, Gilles has a question about parking enforcement. Hello, sir. Good morning. Um, I have a I have a question. I've been asking about asking about it for years. And I don't understand it. So, in in courts, there's lots of courts in Hamilton. In the bowl of the court, people park their cars. I don't understand because everyone needs to do a fifty-five point turn to get around a, uh, like the bowl of a court. And I don't understand how the, it's a simple, it's common sense, or what would seem to be common sense, but I've, I live in a court, and I've tried to get people to, um, I guess you have to get 60% of the people to vote to not have parking. It should be a, a no-brainer, shouldn't it? Well, I live in a court as well, and um, you know we have uh, we've had the same issues. In fact, it's very near to a high school, and they've had uh, you know a number of years they had a no parking requirement in as on a request from the the neighbors, and so it was uh, basically a, a you know a sixty percent petition from the neighbors to request a no parking area. That has uh, had a, has waned over the uh, over the years, and there's now uh, you know that that parking requirement is gone, and um, you know to to my to my uh, 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 my understanding and my 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 uh, knowledge of our court, uh, it hasn't been a major problem, but uh, it can be, uh, especially if you're near a high school somewhere. And so I, I would recommend the same kind of process. I mean, there is as of right parking where there is no indication that parking is not allowed, then you are allowed to park on the street. Uh, and it's really up to the local neighbors to to come together and, and make a decision as to whether they support that or not, and then uh, advance that to their local councillor and to council. So right. we're happy to look at that, and wherever you are, uh, you know, get get your neighbors together and bring uh, bring a you know a petition or a, a request to have change the parking arrangement, and uh, that certainly can be looked at by staff and recommended to council. Right. So the problem with that is the people parking in the bowl are people that live in the bowl, so right. they they won't agree to it. So do you know what I mean? Like they're they're the problem. They have a driveway that that's you know more than wide enough for two cars, but they still prefer to park on the street because yeah. when people come over, they have a place to park. Yeah, you know, you see a, what I mean. So it's it's basically a no win situation. Yeah. when you're it's asking pretty, people that are doing it, it's a pretty common problem throughout the city. To be fair, uh, you know, people have multiple cars these days, and uh, you know, they either they have a large enough driveway or they just choose not to use it, or they don't have a large enough driveway and they need to park uh, cars on the street. And you know, two or three car families is not unusual anymore. And certainly, right. our, our city wasn't design, designed for that, but uh, it needs to be accommodated somehow. And uh, 
So it's a, it's a pretty common problem just on regular streets, not just in courts. And uh, that's, that's uh, something, that's why we have permit parking uh, in some areas of our, our downtown where, uh, you know, the streets are very narrow and uh, parking is limited and it's parking by permit. So uh, there's a number of options and certainly uh, it does take uh, some neighborhood agreement to, uh, to, to, come, to come together on that to, uh, to, to get something positive happening. But I, I understand your dilemma. Okay. Uh, Jill, we've got to move on. I wanted to thank you for your call. 905-645-3221 for any questions you might have for Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Mario, Mario has been holding for a long time now. I really appreciate your patience. Uh, What is your question for Mayor Fred Eisenberger? Good morning. I am uh, calling about the pre-registration at the city um, swimming pools. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to pre-register? That thing you have on the internet, hardly anybody can understand it. I mean, I tried to use it. I can't seem to get through. Uh-huh. Okay. So when is um, that going to be stopped? Uh, it's probably not going to be stopped. I think, uh, you know, online and pre-registration is uh, probably going to be more common than not, given the uh, given where we've been through pandemic and everything else. Well, so, uh, gonna, you know, if... I'm uh, just going to have to stop need, going then. Sorry? I'm just going to have to stop going because I cannot get through on that email or internet. And no, I'm, it's, I'm not sure why. So, you know, maybe, maybe and I've been going to the pool for 50 years. Yep. We, and I want you to continue. And uh, so if, if, have you're having, have, if you're having difficulty, uh, there are, are resources you could go to. You could certainly call our staff. At, yeah, that's uh, at useless. Cult- Sorry? That is useless. Why is that useless? Because go, go, go to the email. Go, yeah, well, that's what I have, have to do. Call okay. in the afternoon when the staff is there. Right. Okay, you know, I'll tell you what. Why, why, don't you, why don't you call my, I'll give you my office number. You call my office number, and we'll find a way to figure out why you're having difficulty getting through on email. And we'll uh, we'll get get you connected to the right people so you can keep on going to the pool. I don't want you to stop. I want you to continue. I and there's a way of sorting this out. So because I'm my, in my nineties, and I, I I hear you, and I want to make sure that you're uh, you're able to go swimming whenever you uh, whenever you need to. So give me a give me a, I'll give you my number, the office number. Well, I don't have a pencil right here. Okay, um, I'm still in bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning. Top of the morning to you. Time to hit the pool. Okay. Uh, Mario, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on hold. Will is going to take your information, so we will send that to the mayor's office, and they can get back in touch with Perfect. you. That's great. I wanted to uh, thank you for your call and remind people, 905-645-3221. We still have a few minutes with Mayor Fred Eisenberger, if you have any questions at all. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I wanted to uh, slide a question in on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if the province has been in touch about $10 a day child care. They were... There was some talk about an end-of-the-month deadline for a deal to be reached uh, between the province and the federal government with regards to this. And I'm just wondering if that has, if there have been any discussions with the municipality at this point. No, not really. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, an issue between the federal government and the provincial government. Uh, there's really no kind of municipal impact other than for citizens. And, you know, citizen, if, uh, if they get $10 a day daycare, their daycare will go from $12,000, uh, you know, go down substantially. 
so there's a real benefit there. We've encouraged the province and the federal government to come together and sort this out. I have, I have a, you know, let, let me put it this way. I have a 99% confidence that the province and the federal government are going to have an agreement, especially in, in light of the uh, upcoming election. And Ontario is not going to be the only province not to have $10 a day daycare. So I have every confidence that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of them uh, sorting it out between between the two bodies. So there's no municipal impact. There's no municipal budgetary issue related to that. It's strictly uh, you know related to offsetting daycare costs through uh, provincial and federal resources. And I uh, I am confident they're going to pull pull it together. Uh, on the issue of Ukrainian refugees, at last count, the last figures mm-hmm. I could find, almost 3,600 have arrived in Canada so far since the start of the Russian invasion, with mm-hmm. Hamilton having such a sizable and active Ukrainian community. Um, where are things in with the possibility of some of those refugees coming to the city? Yeah, we've, uh, we've been uh, anticipating some uh, clear direction from the federal government in terms of how they're going to uh, flow these refugees. And, you know, as you recall, the Syrian refugee uh, intake a number of years ago was very successful and we were given a quota of, uh, you know, X amount of refugees that are coming to your city. We're ready, uh, ready and prepared. Uh, all the agencies are, are prepared to, uh, to do their work. Uh, we've engaged with all of them so that there's, uh, you know, fulsome preparation. I know the Ukrainian community uh, is engaged as well, and they're uh, they're collecting uh, you know clothing and resources to prepare, and in fact we're storing them uh, in one of our facilities to uh, to be to be ready for for that intake. So we're doing everything possible to be ready to go, and we're just waiting for some clarity from the provincial government in terms of uh, whether or not they're going to be providing quotas to certain municipalities. And what they did last time was basically they. They, uh, they, I think they said 30,000 for, uh, for the city of Hamilton. And then, you know, there are other quotas for other municipalities across the country. So to not have them all land in Toronto or Hamilton or in one location, they spread it out across the country so that everyone could uh, do their work and put the resources together to actually bring them uh, into our country safely. We're ready. We're willing. Uh, tragic uh, events obviously happening in Ukraine and uh, whatever we can do as a municipality, we're ready to do to uh, help embrace them and bring them a safe, safe harbor. We have just a couple of minutes left with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Uh, Brian, we're going to go to your call next. And uh, Brian, I understand you have uh, a question about accessible parking, but there's only a few minutes. So please be please be quick. Yeah, I, I, I think these new buildings that are going up, they need to make sure they have at least one spot per tenant and uh and then I think they all should also should design accessible parking and things like that for people so they can unload their groceries. A little difficult trying to unload your groceries in, in your parking spot. And so I think uh, when these new developments are being designed, they need to take uh, accessible parking into account and not build these buildings with only, you know, 50 or 60 percent capacity for parking, which overflows onto the street. Okay, fair, fair comment, Brian. I mean, uh, you know, one of the one of the issues that we've been uh, grappling with is uh, is payment in lieu of parking, and part of that is having to do with uh, you know our our desire and and you know and, and in fact actually happening where more people are using transit, and so that especially on transit corridors where uh, transit is going to be ready available like LRT, that we've actually reduced the requirements for parking to allow for more units to be built, but also to to Keep in mind the transit opportunities that exist for those that are uh, living in these housing arrangements. So, 
Uh, it's a bit, it's a balancing act to try and come up with uh, you know a fair and equitable process to do that, and of course accessibility is important everywhere. So it's it, it needs to be built in. Uh, I do know that they have uh, drop off zones in many of the uh, in the buildings that are being built today for accessibility or for drop off or for groceries and that sort of thing. So it's really a mix of uh, you know. Uh, Factoring in cycling capacity in our community, uh, you know, different kinds of mobility that people are, you know, today using, as yeah, well the as uh, the transit opportunities that are very important uh, for our community. So Brian, all of that's getting factored in. Uh, Brian, I'm really sorry. We are now out of time, unfortunately. Um, but thank you so much for your call. And Mayor Fred Eisenberg, thank you for your time and for spending the last hour with us on 900 CHML and 980 CFPL. Shona, always a pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.